Uh, if you have your Bible, please open it to Second Corinthians chapter 9, verses, we're going to look at verses 11 through 15 today. Second Corinthians 9, verses 11 through 15. What kind of steward are you? What kind? When you look at your life, your time, your talents, your treasures, what kind of steward are you and how you handle those things? The dictionary meaning of steward is a, a person implored to manage another's property or a person who's responsible to take care of something. We're all stewards here this morning. Why? Because everything we possess, that means everything, our time, our talents, our treasures, actually belong to Jesus. It's his property. It's his stuff. And it's your responsibility to be a steward of that property. Again, I ask you, what kind of steward are you over those things? A grumpy steward, like a grumpy old man? A sorrowful steward, because you don't like giving? An ungrateful steward? A stingy steward? Or even a self-righteous steward? Which is it? Jesus wants us to be a cheerful steward. And remember there, here in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 6-15, Paul paints three images of a cheerful steward. We've talked about two of them. The first one is a, a cheerful steward souls with blessing. And last week we saw a, a, cheerful, a cheerful steward is supplied by God the things necessary to sow. And this morning we're going to finish with the final image that Paul paints of a cheerful steward. And it's in verses 11 through 15. Here is God's word. You will be enriched in every way for all generosity, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing into many thanksgiving to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. This is God's word. Let us pray. Father, as we come to your truth, Lord, we, like I said this morning, we desperately need your spirit, Father. We do. We sometimes take him for granted because we think we're smart. Because we know scripture. Or we read a couple of theology books. There's still more we don't know. There's a lot that we won't know in this life. But one thing we do know is that we need the spirit to move in us if we're going to embrace your truth. Live out your truth. Live out faith. We cannot do it apart from your spirit. And if we think we can, we need to repent of our sin. So, Holy Spirit, I pray that you take these words, preach to my heart, 
and preach to the hearts of everyone that's here. You know what we're dealing with. You know what our families are dealing with. And I pray that you minister to us today. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. A cheerful steward sows with blessing. A cheerful steward is supplied by God. And thirdly, a cheerful steward serves out of love. This is the final image that Paul paints for us. A cheerful steward serves out of love for other people. In fact, a cheerful steward is going to be enriched in every way to serve others out of genuine love. This is what Paul tells the Corinthians. You will be enriched in every way. They're not going to enrich themselves. Instead, God is going to do it. They're passive recipients of this enrichment. He will enrich his people in every way. And, and to enrich something means to improve or enhance the quality and value of something. I take a supplement called Shakeology. And, and in this Shakeology, it has more than seven super nutritious ingredients in it. And if I bought all those ingredients separately, it cost me a lot, a lot more money. And on the company's website, this is what they say about their product. It says, there's no other single food item out there that can supply you with all the nutrients, vitamins, and proteins needed than this one drink. I know it's a, kind of a boast. But the point is that you can have all you need in this one drink. So I drink this um, Shakeology because it enriches my diet. It improves it. It, it. it gives it a better quality. It gives me the nutrients that I need. In the same way God enriches people, not with Shakeology, but Graceology. He gives you what you need. And his Graceology has all the vitamins, all the proteins, all the nutrients you need to be enriched in every way to be the steward he wants you to be. We just sung about it, Amazing Grace. How sweet it is. The grace that saved you will be the grace that carries you home. So it will enrich you in every way so that you can be generous in every way. It would enrich your time, your talents, your treasures. He'll give you what you need to serve others out of love. And to be generous here means to serve freely without prejudice, without expecting people to stroke your generosity ego. Because, you know, we all want some affirmation when we do good works. But if you're truly serving out of love, you're not doing it for people to stroke your ego. Jesus gives us what you need to serve out of love. And this is what Paul is, the point Paul is making to these Corinthians. Their generosity, their generosity to the poor saints in Jerusalem was a service. Because remember, if you've been here throughout the series, the Corinthians made a promise to give money to the poor saints in Jerusalem. And Paul is now calling them to fulfill that commitment. In verse 12, he says that this ministry of service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but also overflowing to many thanksgiving to God. The ministry of service is their love working itself out in generosity. Their need is supplying the needs of the saints. And the supply means to give what is lacking. What is lacking? What is missing? These saints in Jerusalem were in lack. They were in poverty. They were in poverty. They were suffering. They were struggling. And they needed help. They needed assistance. 
They had a felt need. Do you have felt needs? Real needs? And these Corinthians, their financial gift was going to meet that felt need. It's going to supply what is lacking. Their gift is a service of love for saints who live far away from them, but they were connected with them through Christ. Paul says in Galatians 6.10, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. That is what they are doing. Providing, walking alongside of other believers out of genuine love. In verse 13, he makes this statement, this phrase, by the approval of this service. That, that term for approval also means character. It can mean proof. You see, their, their service to the saints is proof of their love for them. That's what Paul is saying. The proof of this service is the proof of your love for them. It's evidence of their love. Jesus said in Mark 10, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to do what? To give his life as a ransom for many. John says, Let us not love in word and talk, but in deed and what? I can't hear you. Deed and what? Truth. Don't love in, in just kind words with, with good intentions and just biblical positions. Love must have flesh upon it. It must have flesh upon its bones. For God himself demonstrates his love for you. And while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. Did God love you in good intentions only? Did he love, does he love you with just kind words? He loves you on a cross. Demonstrates the extent of his love for you. The proof of God's love is Jesus on the cross. When you are made aware of needs in your church or, or a person's felt need, what do you do? What is your response? What's the proof of your love for that person? Is it just kind words? Well, I'll pray for you. Well, God is sovereign in your life. So he'll help you eventually. So you just got to pray more. Kind words, right? Truth. What about, is it just good intentions? Well, I hope to be able to help you. Let me check my schedule and see what I can do. If I can rearrange some things, then I'll be there. Biblical propositions. Theological proposition, is that the extent, is that the proof of our love? Don't love in just word and talk, but indeed in truth. The proof of a steward's love should be seen in selfless service. Selfless service. That you render to others, that you give to others. Biblical love is not about fixing people. That's not love. You see someone in need, well, I'm going to go fix that person. Biblical love is not about being someone else's savior. Well, I'm going to come save today because i got all the resources. Biblical love is not making people codependent upon you, that they can't make it because, you, you, because you're the only one that can help them get out of where they are. Biblical love is not about you projecting your cultural way of life on others, and it's not about you doing for other people what they can do for themselves. Biblical love is relational and it's sacrificial. That's biblical love. It's serving others out of relationships. Relationships. 
Biblical love is best done in relationships between mutually broken people. Who has issues? And if you forget that, that's an issue. See, it's all about who you are standing with, not about what you're standing for. See, we all stand for a lot of things. But who are you standing with when it comes to your love? We stand for love, but who is it? What person are you standing with? Medrick Mills, Jr., collapsed across the street from a fire station in northeast Washington, D.C. on January 25th of this year. Several bystanders did their best to help him. Many of them ran across the street to the fire station, pleading for firefighters to come out and help this 77-year-old man who just collapsed across the street from the fire station. And a rookie firefighter told them, told the bystanders that they would have to call 911 for anyone to respond. Now, again, the fire station is here. He's on the other side of the street from the fire station. But none of the firefighters will come out and provide any assistance. They will not help. So Mr. Mills did not get the help that he needed when he needed it. A few hours later, he passed away of a heart attack in a nearby hospital. For it's not what you're standing for, but it's who you're standing with. Who are you standing with? Who are you standing with? Who is the person across the street from you in need? Who is the person across the street from you that you need to stand with? Who is it? A coworker? A student? A friend? A parent? A family member? Who is it? Will you cross the street to stand with them? Or will you just stand for something and post it on Facebook? But it's never reality in your life. Will you walk across the street like Jesus does for you? He stands with you. Will you stand with others? Don't just look the part. See, it's easy to look the part of a cheerful steward. It's easy to look the part that I'm going to serve others out of love, but make it real. The church, God's people, are the first responders of kingdom love. No one else can do that. We're the first responders of kingdom love. No one else can our first responders to kingdom love but us. But us. No one else can do that. But sometimes we play safe in our little fire station. Well, you got to call 911. No, you are 911. Go love them. Go love them like Jesus loves you. His love should compel you to love others. And that means is that if you don't embrace his love for you, then it's kind of hard to extend that love to others. That's what that means. Your relationship with Christ dictates your ability to love others. Because if you're not growing in Christ, you're not going to grow in loving other people. So don't go out here and, and try to do a to-do list. No, go to Jesus. Do your business with him. Then he'll do his business with you to help you love others. A cheerful steward serves out of love for others. Second, a cheerful steward serves out of love for God. Not just other people, but also you serve out of love for God. And to serve out of love for God means you serve for his glory. For his glory. 
Twice Paul tells the Corinthians that their service to the saints in Jerusalem will either produce or overflow to thanksgiving to God. Verse 11, you are being rich in every way for all your generosity, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it's also overflowing into many thanksgiving to God. Thanksgiving directed to God is praising him for what he does and for what he provides. And in our context, God meets the felt need of the poor saints in Jerusalem through the generosity of the Corinthians. He has been acknowledged as the true source behind this ministry of service. He is getting all the credit. The Corinthians are simply a vessel. They're just stewards. A cheerful steward wants God to get all the honor and glory. And the same is true of each of us here this morning. We should want God to get the honor and glory for what he does through our life. And cheerful cheerful stewards are vessels to display God's goodness, not their own. Cheerful stewards are vessels to display God's goodness, not their own. Whose glory do you really serve for? When you walk alongside other people, why do you do it? When you volunteer down at Lincoln Village Ministries, why do you do it? When you tutor at the school, why do you do it? Why do you do what you do? Why? In the film, Troy, Achilles is known as the greatest warrior in the land. And in this movie, the, the Greek king wants him to join in the war against Troy. And Achilles is unwilling to go on behalf of the king, but he seeks the counsel of his mother. And she tells him that if he remained in Greece, he, he, would be, he would live a long and prosperous life and raise a family. Yet his name and renown would die out over the generations. Were he to join the war, glory would be his forever. Yet it would claim his life. And with thoughts of everlasting glory, he departs for Troy. And when he arrives on the beach of Troy, he quickly joins the battle. And he puts on a show, a one-man show. But in the midst of this battle, the soldiers start chanting his name, Achilles, Achilles. And in the midst of battle, he stops and listens to them chant his name. When you serve for your own glory, You love to hear people chant your name. And that is an Achilles heel for you. It will undo you in the end. For God will not give his glory to another. You see, when you serve for your own glory, you you love to hear people wave about how compassionate you are, how merciful you are toward others. How good you are. You're such a loving person. You might not show it on the outside, but on the inside, you're like, yeah, I am. I am that. Do you love to listen to others chant your name? Serving for self-glory is an Achilles heel for every believer. 
It is, and every believer struggles with it. And listen, I'm preaching this to my own heart. I remember I had to write this, so <laughs> I, I struggle with man's praise too. I had lunch with a friend one day, and he and he and to, to catch up and to talk about ministry. And and during our conversation, he says something that revealed my Achilles' heel. He said, "Alex, you're no longer the best preacher in the presbytery." I was like, "Okay." And I didn't know how to respond to that, but in my heart, got sad. <laughs> and why, did, why are you sad, heart? Because you take pride in what you think people, how people view you. Because you preach for self-glory. That's why you're down. And preaching for self-glory is like my Achilles heel. I need you to pray for me. I need you to. That God, that I would not live for that. And we all have our Achilles heel, and we have to go do business with Jesus about it. Because everything we do, we should do for his glory. We're not called to be glory stealers. We're called to be glory deflectors. You deflect glory given to you back to God. Back to him. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A city sets on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it on a basket, but, it, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house in the same way let your light shine before others. Why? So that people may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. That's why. That's what the, the saints in Jerusalem are going to glorify God because of the generosity of the Corinthians. Let your light shine. Let, let people see your good works so they can give glory to your Father alone. It's easy to see and acknowledge that, that God gets the glory for our good works, serving others out of love. But we need to realize that the good works themselves actually belong to God, too. They do. He's the source of them. Ephesians 2, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. You think the good works you're doing, you're doing them just because you're a good person? God created those good works for you to walk into them, for you to live in them. He did it. He gets the credit even from that. Ephesians, Philippians says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. As Christ says, Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can get nothing. Every morning when you get up, you should put that somewhere in your house that says, to remind you, apart from Christ, I can do nothing. Apart from Christ, I can do nothing. And ask him to help you to believe that. T. Austin Sparks says, The work of the Spirit is to conform us to Christ, to cause us to take form of Christ, to form Christ in us. But Christ, will, but Christ will always remain other than we are. So there will all, never cease to be a call for faith. Do not, do you expect to reach a point in this life when faith can be dispensed with? Think about that question. Do you expect to reach a point in this life where you no longer need faith? It is a false hope, he says. And faith simply means that we are put into the position 
where we have got nothing in ourselves. Nothing in ourselves, only in another. And can only know it and enjoy it by faith in that other. And that is Christ. Christ alone. If you're going to be a cheerful steward, it's through Christ alone. Faith in Him and a relationship with Him. Not just knowing stuff. Everybody knows stuff, but not everybody have a heart for Christ. A heart for God. I can talk theology with you all day, but do I know the love of the Father? Do I know it? Here in my heart. And if you're struggling with that today, then guess what? Go to the throne of grace that you may receive help in your time of need. Let us pray. Father, I thank you that in Christ, Lord, we have life. In Christ, you have given us every blessing, Lord, in the heavenly realms, Lord. In union with him, Lord, we are now sons and daughters of your kingdom. In him, Father, there is peace. In him, there is hope. In him, Lord, is everything that we need. He alone makes us right with you. And he alone, Lord, still intercedes on our behalf. And I pray, Lord, for everyone here today that your spirit will lead them closer to the heart of Christ. Growing in their walk with him. And if someone is here that doesn't know you, If someone here is just looking to part, I pray for a conviction to fall upon their heart today. And that the Spirit would draw them in to your kingdom. And they would taste the goodness of our wonderful Savior. And in Christ's name I pray. Amen.